Welcome to Picks with the Professor, the podcast for a real statistics professor. And the Jay Williams to Shane Battier. Jake. Gives you sports betting tips. I'm Professor Sides. You can follow me on Twitter at Professor Sides. You can follow my friend Jake on Twitter at my friend underscore Jake. Today's episode covers the final four games to be played on Saturday, April 2nd, 2022. In case you're new here, I built a mathematical model that predicts what the spread and total should be for every Division I college basketball game. And as I go through the plays today, remember that there are no locks in gambling. So what I will give you are loves, likes, and leans. With that in mind, please understand that good and bad variants will occur. So as much as I'd like to say the model will be profitable each and every day, that is an impossible reality for any gambler. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday. So last night was a, a weird off night with no college basketball and baseball. Uh, wasn't even on the docket had they come with a normal schedule. Uh, we are, we're supposed to have two games tonight. We're supposed to have the NIT title game and the college basketball classic title game. That episode is out there. I will put that in the link above Jake's head. So Jake, point up. There'll be a link right there. And that will get you to the uh, game breakdowns and predictions that we have for the NIT and the College Basketball Classic title game. We were supposed to have both tonight. Uh, instead, it's just the NIT game tonight, and the College Basketball Classic is now moved to Friday at 6 Eastern uh, because of travel issues. Uh, that, that tournament's been a little bit of a mess in its first year. Hopefully, they can do better next year. Maybe Not, they'll get a central location next year for at least the like kind of like the NIT does. Like maybe they'll buy that, buy into that rather than having Fresno travel across the nation. Yeah, yeah, or the CBI this year, which threw everything in. Uh, I believe it was Daytona Beach, right? Just find a central location, throw it all there. If you want to do the first few games at home, that makes sense, but. When it gets done to the end, just put them all in the same place. Maybe makes a little more sense. Uh, but before we get to today's slate, a reminder, please hit that like button if you're on YouTube. Subscribe or follow if you aren't yet. It's the only way to ensure that you don't miss any of the college basketball, MLB, or college football content this channel provides. Share with a friend if you know others in the game. Drop a comment on Twitter or YouTube. We love those and try to respond to as many as we can. So for the Final Four, Villanova and Kansas. We've got a good game to start off with. Unfortunately, Villanova not at full strength, which is unfortunate, especially this time of year. Obviously, Jay Wright, a fantastic coach, and so we trust him to figure that out to the best of his abilities. If anybody can handle it, it is him. They were without Colin Gillespie last year and still put up quite a fight before going down in the tournament uh, last year. Gave Baylor uh, probably their most competitive game last year and so again you know jay wright's a fantastic coach to be able to help that but nevertheless not being at full strength is not ideal for them uh, kansas is a four-point favorite i have to imagine at full strength this number is closer to two and a half or three as it is it's out a tiny bit higher uh total of 132 and a half the model I pegged Kansas right at minus four accounting for the uh injury situation and so uh, I'm passing on the side personally. I think the number's pretty spot on. Kansas, the better team, but I don't really want to go against Jay Wright, especially laying that many points. So it's kind of a pass for me there on the side. Instead, I'm going to look to the total. Now, the model does think the total should be 134.5, but I'm actually going the other direction. I'm going under, and I'm going specifically first half under. 
61 and a half with an A play. This is a lot like last week when I came on this podcast and I said, I know the model had a slight lean over with the Villanova game, but they are all about doing what their opponent doesn't want to do. I love taking Villanova over against a slow team and under against a fast team. They're well coached and they really try to get you out of your game. Kansas wants to go fast, but they haven't been able to even do it in either game last week. And so I don't see any way that they're going to be able to do it against Villanova. I like the full game over, I mean, full game under at 132 and a half. Again, even though the model slightly disagrees, uh, but I really like the first half under. We've got big game, maybe some nerves, a new gym. Um, definitely Villanova's game plan seems to be, would seem to be keep it tight. Don't let Kansas go on a big run and get, a, get anything away from go to the half tied. And so I, I really think this first half is going to be a 25 to 24 type, low, slow, boring, grind it out, lots of bricks, uh, lots of good defense. And Kansas continuing to struggle to really get the game up pace-wise where they want to because they let other teams, uh, for the most part, excuse me, they, they've let other teams in the last two weeks uh, kind of drag them down a little bit. And I think it's exactly what Villanova is going to want to do. I don't think Villanova wants to get in the track meet against this Kansas team. And so I really like this under A play for me, first half under 61 and a half. Jake, Kansas minus four. Are you laying the points or are you trusting in Jay Wright as the leader of uh, the Villanova Wildcats? I'm, I'm going to go with Jay Wright here. I, I think he does enough to get us to the window. Um, this, this is like these teams are very similar, like your efficiency metric wise, like with complete different styles of play. Yeah. Um, like Kansas, uh, all of Kansas losses this year have come to teams that are sub uh, what, 250 or 150 or less and are lower in pace, like ratings. And Villanova's way down there in pace because they want to keep this game slow, slow, slow. And I think that's what's going to happen. Like, it, it's really hard to speed this Villanova team up with the guards they have. It doesn't matter what kind of press you put on them or what you're doing because they don't turn the ball over, so you're not going to get the easy buckets that way. And they, they, the shot clock means nothing to them. They will shoot it when they get the right shot. And they just, they're very well coached. They've got, they're an older team. They make great decisions all the time. But, it really comes down to what does more mean to this Villanova team. And uh, like he's averaging 13 points a game, which is a, a crazy amount, but it's pretty good for the tournament. And then he leads the team in minutes played. And Jay Wright came out and said he's probably their most valuable player. So, and that all the starters are going to end up playing more minutes. Cause if you look at their bench minutes played through the tournament, it's, it's have, not, it's not much. There's not much to look at. <laughs> or, Four minutes. It's like almost four in between four and five minutes a game without yep. uh, when you move Daniels into the starting lineup, which I'm assuming is what's going to happen. Um, so that's it's just like it's scary there. But I, I think with Gillespie and Dixon and De and Caleb Daniels, the way Caleb Daniels was playing out of his mind last few games, so bringing him into the starting lineup is probably is probably going to do good for him. But it's going to be really really tough. Um, and uh, Kansas, they've get, they're have they a very good team, but their weakness is point guard, right? Like Remy Martin is a scoring guard. He's not a guy you want running your offense. You want to, you might want to, like on certain teams, you'd run your offense through him, but he can score and he's great. And so is Abaji, but neither guy is great at um, like running that offense and 
letting other people work off the ball. So I think Villanova kind of takes advantage of that. I don't I don't know if they can necessarily win, but I think this day is really close because somehow, some way, Villanova's actually improved their free throw shooting during the tournament. Yeah, which, which seems impossible. Yeah, I, was, I don't know how much better you can get. They're shooting around 89% in their last three, which is just mm. insane um, as a team. And it's just – so I, I just don't think Villanova makes enough mistakes to let Kansas run away with this. And we talk, we talk about the pace, of course. Will Nova want to slow this game to a halt, and that should help the fact that they aren't running very deep, especially now without more in the game. Um, I, I would I would love. It's kind of on my. I have a long to do list of things I would love to add to my model and track. I'd love to add a metric that's not just pace, but pace variability. Because you have some teams like, obviously, we talk about the Virginias of the world are the easy scapegoats here, but like Virginia goes slow and they go slow every game. It doesn't matter who you're playing, you're going to play a slow game against Virginia. There won't be very many possessions in that game. And Villanova's pace is slow, but Villanova, I, I, I have to imagine we're pretty high in the pace variability because when they want to go slow, they go up Virginia level slow, but their overall metrics don't show them as Virginia level slow. But when they want to go slow, they will play like Virginia. They will take 29.5 seconds of that shot clock. Like that's their goal, it seems like. But then against other teams, sometimes they play a little bit more up pace. And again, not fast. They're not playing, you know, Duke, North Carolina fast, right? But they they will play a lot faster than their other, you know, slow pace. And so it, it's interesting to me, to me, the teams that have these kind of variable paces with how they play, where it's like they kind of can shift a little bit versus a team that just kind of has like one style of play. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think Villanova is going to try to really slow this game down. That does help their lack of depth. And it could also frustrate Kansas. Like you said, Kansas struggling against those type of teams. So uh, Jake taking the four points with Villanova, and then I'm on that first half under. And then in the second game, the game that nobody is talking about, North Carolina and Duke, also a four-point spread here. Duke, of course, favored by a lot less than the last two times these teams played. Total of 151 and a half. My model makes Duke a 3.9-point favorite. So somehow my numbers have pegged this spot on. Uh, we joked previously about the numbers getting tighter and tighter, and this is the perfect um, <laughs> epitome of that. Um, the model thinks the total should be 150.2, but you couldn't pay me enough money to take the under in this game. Uh, last two time, the last time these two teams played, the total was up in the 170s. Um, I got an A winner on the North Carolina under last time. They've really been the opposite of Villanova, whereas Villanova wants to foil you. North Carolina said, fine, we'll just do whatever you want to do. The North Carolina box scores have been really incredible to come back through the last month or so. This last weekend, they stayed well under with UCLA and St. Peter's and looked very comfortable doing so. They did not look like they were out of their game at all. They just said, fine, we'll play the way you want to play, and that's no big deal. Those two teams wanted to really slow it down. They did. Um, and the same thing against uh, Virginia, the opener of the ACC tournament. I believe that game was like 50 to 40 or something. Just something. It was something awful like that. And so you look at that from North Carolina standpoint and you say, oh, my gosh, like they can play these really ugly under games. But then you go back to what UNC did against Marquette and against Baylor and then against Duke in that matchup to close out the regular season. And all of those games went flying over the total. Uh, the Baylor game went flying over uh, even without the overtime period. UNC just says, we'll do whatever you want to do. Duke wants to score and play fast. I think UNC goes with that. So I'm taking a B pick on the team total over 
for North Carolina, over 73 and a half. I don't know if North Carolina can play some defense. We've seen them hold teams down. I, I really don't know. It's not a big enough sample size to make me feel confident. They've got this magic shutdown team. If they do, they've got a really good chance of winning the tournament if they can play any defense. And they've at times done it, but at times it's also been opponents just missing some shots and some slower pace. So I'm not really sure there. Also, Duke's offense is, is incredible. Uh, I mean, there's just no denying that they have a fantastic offense. Uh, Duke's weak spot is, of course, their defense sometimes falls asleep, and that's tough to handle in a 40-minute game against a team that can score as much as North Carolina. I don't know what's going to happen on that side of the ball. I, I usually stay away from team totals. I've not picked one yet on this podcast, but I'd rather isolate here. I think North Carolina gets a 75 or 80. Does Duke score 70 or 90? I have no idea. I mean, the pressure on this game for them, if you think about – Coach K's last home game against this North Carolina team, right? You've probably heard about how that played out. But, I mean, the pressure and how the players performed. You go to the ACC title game, the pressure and how they performed. Now you've got Final Four against your rival that dominated you. All the pressure there is on the world. Now, if they get rolling, they're going to have confidence galore and just think this is their storybook ending. And like I said, I think they get to 90. But if things start to unravel – I don't know how these guys are going to handle the pressure. Like I said, I, I really have no idea. Nothing Duke scoring 70 or 90, even 60 or 90. None of that really would surprise me. They have they have the good offense to do it, but the pressure, I, it's one of those things where I don't I, I don't know those kids. I haven't talked to those kids. So without understanding that there's just no way to know how they're going to do i'm not i think if you hear a narrative of like they will succumb to the pressure or they won't that seems a little bit silly because we don't really know and that's why i just i like the team total of north carolina over because i think they will score they're going to play at duke's pace they're going to get up and down the court so i really like them to get us to the window there what duke does i have no idea i think it'll be fantastic to watch but the benefit here is i don't have to care if they fall succumb to the pressure and score 60 or if they score 90 because we'll have our winner what's north carolina gets us to 74 points jake duke minus four you laying the points or are you taking the tar hills to win again against duke i want to take the points here i, I think duke is i think coach k and duke have figured out what's going on here they they have played incredible like closeout games here recently and if you look like the la i'm gonna say a lot of these stats from the last three games and i think it's very important to look at those um because of who duke played and and how they did against them versus who north carolina played and how they did like yes north carolina dominated st peter's but they're a 15 seed right like yeah, I mean, St. Peter's had a miracle run, not trying to take anything away from them. That was incredible. They did great. They, they, they did lose to Siena twice. I mean, we can't – Yeah, that happened. <laughs> right. so at some point, there's a reason you're a 15 seed and the talents couldn't just be too much. But, yeah. I mean, like in the last three, in, like that's Duke going against two of the best defensive teams in the nation, in Arkansas and Texas Tech. They've improved their three-point percentage up to 38, um, their free throw percentage up to 83. Uh, like that's just – really that's being really good being in the moment and every time they had like it's not the same pressure as playing North Carolina but they had that pressure of this could be Duke's last game mm -hmm. especially at Texas Tech where they were a lot of people were picking against them yep. um, and and then Arkansas everybody kind of thought this is kind of a sneaky game but they pulled it off there are their turnovers have gone up just a little bit but that'd be expected going against but they're they have played like they can play two completely different style of games with um, they can beat you with teamwork because they they are eighth in the nation on the year at assists per game at 16. And then 
they showed you with the way Arkansas plays, Arkansas likes to make you a one-on-one team and then use Williams to come over and clean up any mess. And they only had eight assists but still put up a decent amount of points and, and really was never in doubt. I think Paolo and Mark Williams are playing on a different level right now, and it's just they are very, very good. Um, but A.J. Griffin's the guy to watch, right? Like in the first game when Duke won by 20, or it was 20 plus or something like that. He had 27 and hit, I think, five threes. And the second game where they got beat, and it, the score was 13, but it was really like 30, is what it felt yeah. like. Yeah. Um, he had five. So he is a big X factor of this game. Jeremy Roach has done about the same. Jeremy Roach and Trevor Kills have been very even in both games. Uh, nothing too impressive, but nothing bad. Uh, like, but North Carolina in their last three games, all their percentages are going down. They're shooting worse from three, worse from the free throw line. They've gone from 76 to 68. And I think that's a factor, more of a factor who uh, who gets fouled. Um, and so the thing, and at the end of games kind of thing. But still, that's a fairly good drop. They, their turnovers are up and their uh, assists are down. So it's, I mean, part of that is playing in blowout games or whatever. You, you have some uh, weaker teams get in, but like the UCLA and Baylor game. I think the second half of the Baylor game is more of the correct North Carolina team we'll see because, I mean, St. Peter's isn't a good judge. They they jumped on them so hard they didn't have to try the rest of the game. Yeah, um, yeah if that if the first two minutes of the game plays out differently, I, I don't I don't know what happens. I'm not saying St. Peter's can hang around. I'm not saying they can win. I don't know. I just it, yeah, that first ten minutes it was just it was over and then it didn't really matter at that point. But um, for Duke, for Duke to pull this off, Blanchero's going to have to play the best defensive game he's played all year at, on Manic because Manic is just absolutely tearing teams apart right now. I mean, he's ripped Duke apart in both games beforehand. I think he average he scored above twenty in both games. Um, I think Mark Williams and Baycott match up fairly well, and the guards match up fairly well. Um, it's just really that's that's the you got to get AJ Griffin going for Duke to do this, and if if he's not going, and then <laughs> Manic is going. I might want to look at the live line and see what the North Carolina line does because if A.J. Griffin's missing, it's going to be really hard for Duke to do this. But I, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think we're going to see the good version of Duke come out and not run away with this win at 5-7 to seven with free throws kind of thing. And you talk about North Carolina's free throw shooting, definitely on display in that Baylor game. Like you said, who they were able to foul, um, getting favorable matchups at, at, at the free throw line there. Yeah. And that definitely hurt. Uh, North Carolina's ability to hold on to that lead. And that could, of course, uh, play a factor even in the not at the end of the game, right? We always talk about teams being strategic with their one-and-ones and or just, you know, uh, how you want to play. It's something I, college, coach, college coaches don't tend to think about, but I always like to think about, man, if you've got a guy who's a 60% free throw shooter, be a little more aggressive, you know, before he shoots. You don't want to be aggressive when he shoots because you don't want to give up and ones, of course, but like when he has the ball, try to go for that steal, be a little aggressive. And if you foul him and you put him at the line, it's maybe not the end of the world, especially against a North Carolina team that, you know, got to, got over 90 last time they played. Yeah. Like if, if a team's getting over 90 and you and you foul a bad free throw shooter and he makes one of two, that might be a win, yeah. <laughs> right? Given, given the way that they can score. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see just how aggressive Duke is with the poor free throw shooters for North Carolina. And as you pointed out, not an issue on the other side of the ball, so that does at least help uh, Duke's ability to stay outside of four at the end of the game because they should be able to put the put the game away if they are ahead and get fouled late. Yeah, I mean, neither team's got a deep bench. I mean, it's really a six, six and like .01 man rotation on either side. Um, so it's 
I, I mean, Duke, you would take Duke Spence over because you get a little more production out of Theo John and, and a chance that Joey Baker does something good. Um, but if anybody gets in foul trouble on either side, it could be a really rocky go for either team. I'm, and I'm a little surprised after we saw what happened in that Baylor second half that UCLA and St. Peter's never really had the opportunity. We said it was just kind of over before it started almost. But you wonder if the if the, if Coach K will kind of adopt what Baylor was trying to do there with how they were pressuring full court, how they you know working on the inbounds, that sort of thing. You obviously can't do that for 40 minutes, but you wonder how much of a playbook fair duke is able to adapt here in the you know four practice days they have or whatever because north carolina showed some massive weaknesses there but they're weaknesses that uh st. Pete, nor, neither st peter's nor ucla could could actually capitalize on and the ucla game was back and forth tight game the whole time uh two really good teams um but you would have thought if it was a back and forth close game that at the end ucla would have been able to utilize that strategy UCLA does a lot of things, the same things that Baylor does, and they weren't able to. They, in fact, they had a lead, and North Carolina goes down, hits two threes, and all of a sudden, North Carolina's got the lead inside a minute. And so, um, it, it's you know, it's easy for us to say, "Oh, here's how you do it," right? You saw how it's done, and then apparently, I guess, going out and doing it's a little bit harder, supposedly, right? I, I guess that's what the evidence is telling us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be a while. This will be a great. Matchup. Both these games are going to be just great coaching matchups and strategic. Like on paper, this is probably the best Final Four we've had in the last five, six years. Easy. I mean, l- last year it was obvious who, what was going to be all year. Like you really didn't need the tournament. And then yeah. before, like it's so this year has been complete opposite. And I think we've got, at least on paper, the best Final Four we've had in a long time. And it should be just absolutely incredible night. Yeah, absolutely. Four really good teams. Uh, the you know the the bad team in there is North Carolina, who has not looked bad at all in the last month. I mean, if, if they play the way that they've played this last month all season, they're a top two seed easily. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, yeah, lots of talent here in the Final Four. So it should be good stuff. Uh, that's all we have for you today. We will be back for you Monday to break down the national championship game. Reminder: check out the Google Sheet for full predictions. Uh, that's spread and total for all games at the website. That's www.pickswiththeprofessor.com. If you haven't done so yet, click that subscribe button to ensure all the sports betting content we provide is dropped right into your feed. Remember, just because there are only two games left in the slate and the season's winding down, be responsible with your wagers and your wager sizing. You can eat your betting money, but please don't bet your eating money. <laughs>